Sisters and brothers, may the Lord be with you. With your spirit. Tonight's reading will be when St. Francis was trying to figure out what to do with his life, he found himself in an old broken down church in front of a crucifix exactly like this, the cross of San Damiano. And he prayed in front of the cross and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus spoke to him from the cross and said, Francis, look around you. This church is falling down. I want you to rebuild my house, which is falling into ruin. And so Francis took Jesus literally, started to rebuild the little church of St. Damien, San Damiano. And some of the young men in his town were attracted to him. They liked him before he had changed. And this one man, Bernardo of Quintavalli, who was a crusader back from the Crusades, came to Francis and said he wanted to join him in his work. And so Francis said, let us go to the nearby church and we will open the book of the Gospels and see what the Lord wants us to do. So the reading that I am going to give you now are the three readings that Francis came upon when he opened the book of the Gospels randomly to hear what the Lord wanted him to do with his life. <clears throat> At the first opening, there appeared the words that Christ said in the Gospel to the young man who asked him about the way of perfection. If you wish to be perfect, go sell all you have and give to the poor and come, follow me. At the second opening, there appeared those words which Christ said to the apostles whom he sent them out to preach. Take nothing for your journey, neither staff, nor wallet, nor bread, <clears throat> nor money. At the third opening, there appeared these words which Christ said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And when they had seen these words, St. Francis said to Bernardo, this is the counsel which Christ gives us, so go and do perfectly what you have heard. And blessed be our Lord Jesus Christ, who has deigned to show us his gospel way of life. And Francis said, this is what I want, this is what I want with all my heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We welcome everyone here tonight. Nice to see everybody. If I can keep this thing uh, together here, I can't see anything, I can't see you, but it'll all work out. I'm glad you've come here tonight to find out where, why everybody loves Raymond. Really, St. Francis. It's a catchy title, I hope. I hope it made you think, and maybe that's why you're here tonight. But I also want to dedicate this uh, holy hour to a dear friend of mine by the name of Raymond, Raymond Hanratty, whose funeral we did about a month ago. He lived on this very street down on the end with his wife, Irene. And he was a wonderful man, and he was a St. Bonaventure graduate taught by the Franciscans. 
He truly had a Franciscan heart, and we were all very proud of him. So that's another reason why I wanted to keep the title, Everybody Loves Raymond. <clears throat> also because I think it's true. It's true that everybody loves St. Francis. The last thing that St. Francis would want me to do tonight, though, is talk about him. He'd rather us talk about the one he loved. He sees himself as an arrow pointing to Christ. He is not an idol, Francis, but a way, a style of following Jesus that many for the past 800 years have found attractive, appealing, and welcoming. <clears throat> when I was preparing for this talk on the Feast of the Stigmata of St. Francis on September 17th, I had the thought, I wonder who Jesus hangs around with in heaven. Did you ever think about that? You know, there's John the Beloved, we all know that he was his favorite apostle, but there's another theory that says St. Francis really was his favorite. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Basilica of St. Francis in Assisi, you will find on a side wall a beautiful fresco of our Blessed Lady holding the child Jesus in her hands. On one side of her is St. Francis. On the other side is John the Beloved. And baby Jesus is asking his mother, who's really my favorite apostle, my beloved? And Our Lady is pointing to St. Francis. Of course, it's in a Franciscan church. And if you can see it or not, it's a beautiful fresco. And it's, the nickname is, because Our Lady has his, her thumb pointing towards St. Francis, it's also nicknamed Our Lady of the Hitchhikers. So on good reference, we believe that Francis is truly one of the beloved of Jesus. <clears throat> What I'd like to do tonight is share with you some of the things about him that maybe you don't think about or you don't know. Did you know that the first pope to ever leave the Vatican in modern times, the pope was considered the prisoner of the Vatican from the early 20th century, to Pope John XXIII was elected. The first thing Pope John did is he took a trip to Assisi to pray at the tomb of St. Francis, that he might do for the church in the 20th century what Francis did in the 13th century when he attempted to rebuild the church. The first pope to ever come to the United States, Paul VI, came and on the feast of St. Francis spoke at the UN in New York City to request, for, request from the world, jamais plus la guerre, Never more war, certainly encompassing the spirit of the peacemaker St. Francis. Pope John Paul II, on his first trip to the U.S., spoke October 4th at the U.N., and more than once, he has invited heads of the world's religions to come with him to Assisi to pray for world peace. Joseph Stalin 
the, one of the leaders and founders of communism said, if I had 10 men like Francis of Assisi, I could conquer the world. Chesterton said, I believe he called Francis the only Christian who ever lived since Christ. He's been called the mirror of Christ, the richest poor man, the little poor man, the poorest rich man, Il Poverello. As a matter of fact, you may not know that he was actually baptized Giovanni Bernardoni. And when his father, who had, was in France, he was a cloth merchant at the time, Francis's mother was from Provence, so he was half French and half Italian. And when the father came back from France, he went there because they had the best cloth. He came back and said, no, he's not Giovanni. He'll be called Francesco because he loved the country of France so much, he named his son like Frenchy, Francie, a nickname after the country of France. And that's how Francis got his name so beautiful in Italian, Francesco. I love to say it in Italian. Can you say that with me? Francesco. In the beautiful Francesco. In, in Spanish, of course, it is Francisco. And you know that St. Fran Francisco was named after him. Also, Los Angeles was the mother church of the whole Franciscan order, Our Lady of the Angels, where St. Francis founded the order in 1209. It's where he received St. Clair into the order and where he said he wanted to die. He said, if the friars leave any place on this earth, they must never leave Our Lady of the Angels because that is where the Lord began his holy operation in us. And if you ever go to Assisi, it's a wonderful place to see. There's this little chapel, uh, probably a third of the size of our church here. And this huge basilica is built around the little chapel. We must never leave that place. And it's protected by that huge basilica. <clears throat> Our own order of Franciscans, the OFMs, I don't know whether you know what that stands for. It's not order of Franciscan monks or missionaries. It's not order of fat men. And it's not out for money. The true name of the Franciscan order is the Order of Friars Minor, the Order of Lesser Brothers. Francis always wanted us to be with the little people. That's how I got my vocation. I was watching television in the fifth grade and I saw Friar Tuck. I said, I like that guy, I could be like him. You know, he was simple, joyful, helped the poor, and that's how I got my vocation. Only God knows and the Pope doesn't even know how many orders of Franciscan sisters there are. There's so many of them all over the world. <clears throat> what is it about this man that makes him so appealing? that makes so many attracted to him, that makes so many resonate with his style of being a Christian. You may not know, but there are Lutheran Franciscans, there are Anglican and Episcopal Franciscans. Out on Long Island in Mount Sinai, the Episcopal Order of Friars was there at Little Portion Friary, 
And I'm so happy that Father Frank Pizzarelli has now bought that place out and he uses it as the uh, drug center and hope house. It's, and he's kept all of the Franciscan accoutrements. It's beautiful. But what is it that makes this man appeal so timeless and so relevant 800 years after he lived? I believe there's only one thing that could make someone into a Francis of Assisi. One thing that could make someone think they were rich when they gave everything away and had absolutely nothing. Only one thing could make him seem like the wisest madman or the maddest wise man that ever lived. Only one thing could make one totally free when he was totally committed. Only one thing could make Francis feel so at one with all creation, animals, nature, and people. He'd be so happy and his statue is so beautiful over there and he's so at home and he'd be so happy that we're here tonight with the Lord in our presence. Francis found God in all of creation. He saw everything as a gift from his beloved God. Only one thing could make him find perfect joy in being rejected by his own friars. Only one thing could make him ask to receive the five wounds of Christ crucified in his own body. St. Francis was a lover. Everybody loves a lover. Francis was a lover. Francesco Bernardone, he fell in love. Francis knew that he was the beloved of God. Everything flowed from that. You know that we have a friendly competition with the Jesuits. Um, I hope Father Dan isn't listening. Father Mike is looking down from heaven. But I will quote a Jesuit here. Pedro Arupe, who was a former superior general of the Jesuits, he says, nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what possesses you, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you up out of bed in the mornings, what you will do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, what makes you laugh, what makes you cry, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, it will decide everything. Francis fell in love with Jesus Christ. How did it happen? I want to tell you how I think it happened. <clears throat> Do you like bells? I love the sound of bells. I love the sound of St. Ignatius, our bells there. I love it when you go to Rome and you hear the bells in St. Peter's Square. You know you're there then. I remember once when I was in Nazareth, 
I heard the Angelus bells go off and here so proudly here their hometown boy was the savior of the world. I love bells. I love the way they sound. I have a collection of bells. Here's a bell, a big apple bell here. Here's a, what's this one here? This is the, uh, the Liberty Bell. No, that's, that's not it. I can't see. Here's the Liberty Bell here. Pretty soon we'll be hearing jingle bells. Right now you're saying, who cares about these bells and who's this dingling up there? There's the sound of the dinner bell. We all love that sound. There's a sound on the Camino Royal, the, the Royal Highway in California, where Juniper Sarah founded all the missions. Well, one day, Francis was walking along the countryside, and he heard a bell. It was a bell that he was afraid of. He hated that sound. He knew connected to that bell was the creature he feared most, the ugliest, the sickest, because he knew connected to that bell was a leper. So Francis gets on his horse. He runs away, rides away, gets out of there as fast as he could to get away from the bell. All of a sudden, he says, I can't do that this time again. So he turns around, goes back to the bell, goes back to the ugly, scary-looking, smelly leper. He gets off his high horse, and comes down and he embraces the leper. Francis considers this the turning round point of his life. This is what changed him. Because for the first time in his life, Francis acted like God. He loved something that wasn't going to give him something back. He loved the ugliest. He loved the smelliest. He embraced it. Francis learned God's love by loving as God loved. You know, in today's world, they say a lot of times you have to love yourself first. Well, do you ever wonder if some of these people are going to ever love anybody second? You know, you're never going to finish loving yourself first, you know. It's not a matter of I love me first, then I'll get to you. I'll never get to you. I'll never stop loving me. That's the story of our world and the country we live in of narcissism run rampant. But Francis learned love by loving. I know we all need to learn how to love ourselves better. Many of us were not taught that very well. And that's a good thing to do. We love ourselves in a healthy way. But Francis learned God's love by loving. And Francis later realized that 
This is how God loves him. Francis was the leper. Francis is the unloved one. And God loved him first in Jesus. He learned that love by loving. He learned it by doing it. His heart was enlarged. He let God be God. He let that God love him. He realized when he loved the leper, he was the leper. And this is how God loves him. He learned that by doing it. Francis also learned something else by embracing the leper. <clears throat> In modern day spirituality circles, they, they tell us that you need to embrace your dark side, your opposite. And when Francis embraced the thing he feared most outside of himself, the leper, he was also embracing the dark side of himself and all of his fears, and he became a free man. He learned that and experienced that by doing it. Sometimes we need to get St. Francis out of the birdbath and into our lives. He likes being in the birdbath. I think that's why a lot of people like him so much. We'll have the blessing of animals this weekend, and I love doing that, you know, because he thought everything was a sign. Once he discovered this loving God, everything was a sign of that love. Whether it's a little puppy dog or a beautiful flower or a cardinal flying by, brother sun, sister moon. Francis also wrote the first a piece of modern-day Italian literature, the Canticle of the Creatures. Italian was just beginning to be its own language at that time, and his writing of the canticle, Praise be you, my Lord, for Brother Sun and Sister Moon, Sister Water, Brother Fire that warms us at night, and all the creatures that you have made. Francis, his one of the earliest pieces of Italian literature. Francis of Assisi fell in love, head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. He knew who God was, and he found out who he was. He used to pray, who are you, O Lord, most high? He used to love to call God most high, all good, all powerful God. But most high was one of his favorite expressions. And who are you, O God most high? And who am I, your poor, useless, little worm of a servant? Francis is that arrow pointing to Jesus. That's all he wants to do, is tell the world of his love. Francis used to be found crying at Greccio where he and uh, reenacted the Christmas crib and gave that to the world. Francis would often be seen crying, and another friar would come up to him and say, Brother Francis, why are you crying? It would so upset them. And he would say, I am crying because love is not loved. His love is not loved. 
St. Francis had two prayers that he prayed in his life. He prayed, number one, <clears throat> that he might feel in his body the pain and the suffering that Jesus felt in going to the cross for us. And he prayed his second prayer that he might feel and know that love that made Jesus go to the cross for us. And as you do know, Francis did receive the five wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's one of the only authentic saints who received the five wounds. He became a very image of the one he loved. They used to call him the mirror of Christ, the Christ of Umbria. No wonder everybody loves St. Francis. Jesus loved St. Francis. There's another story I'd like to read to you. It's one of my favorites. It's about, it's about one of the friars in the little flowers of St. Francis, Brother Maceo. St. Francis had some uh, special followers, friends, just as Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Francesco had Maceo, Rufino, Bernardo, his first disciple, and uh, did I mention Brother Leo? Brother Leo was the only priest of the early uh, friars. Uh, we were originally just an order of little brothers, and then the church realized they could use us, and, and so we became more uh, priesthood in it. Well, anyway, this is a story about how Brother Maceo tested St. Francis' humility. It's in the little flowers of St. Francis. I love this story, I wanna share it with you. Once St. Francis was staying at the place of the Portiuncola, Our Lady of the Angels, with Brother Maceo of Marignano, a man of great holiness and discernment and grace in speaking about God, because of which St. Francis loved him very much. One day when St. Francis was coming back from the woods where he had been praying and was at the edge of the forest, Brother Maceo went to meet him as he wanted to find out how humble he was. And he said to St. Francis half jokingly, <clears throat> why after you? Why after you? Why after you? St. Francis replied, what do you mean, Brother Maceo? I mean, why does all the world seem to be running after you? And everybody seems to want to see you and hear you and obey you. You are not a handsome man. <laughs> Talk about you humbling him. You do not have great learning or wisdom. You are not a nobleman. So why is all the world running after you. <clears throat> On hearing this, St. Francis rejoiced greatly in spirit, and he raised his face toward heaven and stood for a long time with his mind absorbed in God. Coming back to himself, he genuflected and praised and gave thanks to God. Then with great fervor of spirit, he turned to Brother Maceo and said, 
You want to know why after me? You want to know why after me? You really want to know why everyone is running after me? I have this from the all-holy eyes of God that see the good and the evil everywhere. For those blessed and all-holy eyes have not seen among sinners anyone more vile or insufficient than I am. And so in order to do the wonderful work which he intends to do, he did not find on earth a viler creature. Therefore he chose me. For God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the base things of the world and the despised to bring to naught the noble and great and strong, so that all excellence and virtue may be from God and not from the creature, in order that no creature should glory before him, but let him who takes pride take pride in the Lord, that honor and glory may be only God's forever. <clears throat> then, Brother Maceo, at such a humble answer, spoken with such fervor, was deeply moved and knew for sure that St. Francis was grounded in true humility as a true and humble disciple of Christ. To the glory of Christ, amen. Beautiful story, isn't it? That's from the Little Flowers of St. Francis, and they're beautiful, other many beautiful stories. And it's also in Italian called the Fioretti. And uh, some of you may remember that myself and some other friars have written a book called The Friar's Joy. They're like modern day Fioretti stories. And we do have some available over where the refreshments are by the rectory afterwards and some of our tapes as well. We have our uh, The Good Friars Jokes tape. I know some of you have had that. And we have The Challenge of St. Francis. We have my other book, Kenosis. So please feel free to go over there afterwards. But I want to tell you one more story before we wind down. And this is about the perfect joy of St. Francis. This one really boggles my mind. One winter day, St. Francis was coming to St. Mary of the Angels again from Perugia. It was kind of the headquarters of the order with Brother Leo. And the bitter cold made them suffer keenly. St. Francis called to Brother Leo, who was walking a bit ahead of him, and he said, Brother Leo, even if the Friars Minor in every country give a great example of holiness and integrity, and good edification, nevertheless write down and note carefully that perfect joy is not in that. And when he had walked on a bit, St. Francis called him again, saying, Brother Leo, even if a friar minor gives sight to the blind, heals the paralyzed, drives out devils, gives hearing back to the deaf, makes the lame walk, and restores speech to the dumb, and what is still more brings back to life a man who has been dead four days? Right, that perfect joy is not in that. And going on a bit, St. Francis cried out again in a strong voice, Brother Leo, 
if a friar miner knew all languages and all sciences and scriptures, and if he knew how to prophesy and to reveal not only the future, but also the secrets of consciences and minds of others, and write down and note carefully that perfect joy is not in that. <clears throat> and as they walked on, after a while, St. Francis called again forcefully, Brother Leo, little lamb of God, even if a friar miner could speak with the voice of an angel and knew the courses of the stars and the powers of herbs and knew all about the treasures in the earth, and if he knew the qualities of birds and fish, animals, humans, roots, trees, roots, rocks, write down and note carefully that true joy is not in that. And going on a bit farther, St. Francis called him again strongly, Brother Leo, even if a friar minor could preach so well that he could convert all infidels to the faith of Christ, write that perfect joy is not there. Now when he had been talking this way for a distance of two miles, Brother Leo in great amazement asked him, Father, I beg you in God's name to tell me where perfect joy is. St. Francis replied, <clears throat> When we come to St. Mary of the Angels, soaked by the rain and frozen by the cold, all soiled with mud, suffering from hunger, and we ring at the gate of the place, and the brother porter comes and says angrily, Who are you? And we say, We are two of your brothers. He contradicts us, saying, You are not telling the truth. Rather, you are two rascals who go around deceiving people and stealing what they give to the poor. Go away. And he does not open for us, but makes us stand outside in the snow and rain and cold and hungry until night falls. Then if we endure all those insults and cruel rebuffs patiently without being troubled, without complaining, and if we reflect humbly and charitably that the porter really knows us and that God makes him speak against us, O oh, Brother Rio, write that perfect joy is there. And if we continue to knock and the porter comes out in anger and drives us away with curses and hard blows with bothersome scoundrels saying, get away from here, you dirty thieves, go to the hospital. Who do you think you are? You certainly won't eat or sleep here. And if we bear it patiently and take the insults with joy and love in our hearts, Brother Leo, write that perfect joy is there. And if later suffering intensely from hunger and the painful cold, with night falling, we still knock and call and crying loudly, beg them to open for us and let us come in for the love of God. And he grows still more angry and says, those fellows are bold and shameless ruffians. I'll give them what they deserve. And he comes out in the, with a knotty club and grasping us by the cow, throws us into the ground, rolling us in the mud and snow, beats us with the club so much that he covers our bodies with wounds. If we endure all those evils 
and insults and blows with joy and patience, reflecting that we must accept and bear the sufferings of the blessed Christ patiently for love of him. Oh, Brother Leo, right? That is perfect joy. And now we hear the conclusion, Brother Leo. Above all the graces and gifts of the Holy Spirit, which Christ gives to his friends, is that of conquering oneself and willingly enduring sufferings, insults, humiliations, and hardships for the love of Christ. For we cannot glory in all those marvelous gifts of God, as they are not ours, but God's. As the apostle says, what have you that you have not received? But we can glory in the cross of tribulations and afflictions, because that is ours. And so the apostle says, I will not glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That is a mind blower for me, that that is perfect joy. I think for Francis that he had experienced the rejection that Jesus felt. He felt it brought him closer to Jesus. He learned again the love of Jesus. I forgot to ask you before, when I was talking about the leper and the bell, if you had a leper, does anybody ring your bell? Does anybody push your buttons? Do you maybe live with one of your lepers? Well, you know, a lot of us run away from our lepers. If you're walking down the aisle in the grocery store and you see somebody, you turn your cart around, that person. Well, you know, for Francis, the leper was a doorway to becoming more free. Rather than trying to change our lepers, we should embrace them. It's hard to do, but it's a way of growing and becoming more free. I was giving this talk once in Boston. Somebody came up to me, a lady, and said, you know, Father Kevin, you're my leper. <laughs> I said, oh, thank you very much. You made my day. But you know, maybe I am, you know? Uh, but maybe I have something for you, still. God gives us gifts, even the lepers. He fills us with his love day and night. Keeps reminding us of his great and wonderful love. I'll wind down now with focusing for a moment on the Eucharist. Francis loved Jesus so much, and of course he loved Jesus in the Eucharist. And for that reason, he loved priests. He never became a priest. He never thought he was worthy to be a priest. Some think that he might have been a deacon. Uh, there's some speculation that at the uh, Greccio Kresh, 
uh, when he reenacted the first Christmas that he played the role of a deacon and, and he, um, you know, proclaimed the gospel. But uh, he never thought he was worthy to be a priest. But he said if he walked down the street and he saw a priest and an angel, he would bow down before the priest, whether he was a saint or a sinner, and he would kiss the hands of the priest. Because he said, behold, each day Christ comes down from the bosom of the Father upon the altar in the hands of the priest. And if you think there are scandals in the church today, they really had them back then as well. When Francis was close to dying, he wrote this letter to the friars. And I will close with this. <clears throat> Our whole being should be seized with fear. The whole world should tremble and heaven rejoice when Christ, the Son of the living God, is present on the altar in the hands of the priest. What wonderful majesty what stupendous condescension. O sublime humility, O humble sublimity, that the Lord of the whole universe, God and Son of God, should humble himself like this and hide under the form of a little bread for our salvation. Look at God's condescension and pour out your hearts before him. Humble yourselves that you may be exalted by him. Hold back nothing of yourselves for yourself, so that he who has given himself totally to you may receive you totally. Would I, might, would I wake, might wake St. Francis in you all? Would I might wake St. Francis in you all, brother of birds and trees, God's troubadour, blinded with weeping for the sad and the poor, our wealth undone, all Christian streak, strict Franciscan men, come, let us chant the canticle again of Mother Earth and the enduring sun. God makes each soul the lowly leopard slave. God make us saints and brave. Everybody loves St. Francis because Francis was a lover. But didn't he hear the same gospel that we hear? Wasn't he fed on the same bread of angels and of saints that we receive? Each of us are called to be saints to give ourselves totally to him who has given himself totally to us. When Francis was dying, and we will celebrate this in every Franciscan church on Sunday at the Transitus, his last words were, I have done my duty, may Christ teach you yours. And on his deathbed, let us begin again, my brothers and sisters, to love and serve the Lord, for up till now we have done little or nothing. And as we now turn to the Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament, 
We say the prayer that Francis taught all of his brothers and sisters to say every time we come into a church. He loved to visit churches and adore the Lord there. He used to say, we adore you, most holy Lord Jesus Christ, here and in all your churches throughout the world. And we bless you because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Can you say that with me now? We adore you, most holy Lord Jesus Christ, here and in all your churches throughout the world. And we bless you because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Amen.